Welcome back to TanakhCast. This is episode 137. We'll begin with a brief summary of Amos chapters 1 through 3 and follow with some thoughts about the rule of three and God's forgiveness. The prophet Amos hails from Tekoa in the southern kingdom of Judah. When he isn't dropping prophetic bars, he's a shepherd and a cultivator of sycamore figs. And though a southerner, he prophesied in the north during the reign of Yeravam, son of Yoash, a period of relative prosperity, peace, and cooperation with King Uzziah of Judah. Two years, I should add, before the big earthquake that shook the region in 760 BCE. Amos's prophetic works are actually the first prophetic works to be included in the Tanakh, before Yeshayahu, before Hosea. So if what we discuss over the coming episodes sounds familiar, you'll know why. And Amos begins with a bang, or more like a roar. Quote, the Lord roars from Zion, shouts aloud from Jerusalem, and the pastures of the shepherds shall languish, and the summit of Carmel shall wither. But before we can settle into the usual diatribe against the wayward Jews, Amos shifts his attention to the surrounding nations, Damascus, Gaza, Tyre, Edom, the Ammonites, and the payback they will receive for their bad treatment of the Jews. Chapter 2 expands the list to include Moab and a little kingdom known as Judah as well. Surprise! But all of this is a prologue to the real reckoning with the kingdom of Israel itself. Quote, For three transgressions of Israel, for four I will not revoke it, because they have sold for silver those whose cause was just, and the needy for a pair of sandals. They recline by every altar on garments taken in pledge, and drink in the house of their god wine bought with the fines they imposed. Oh, damn! I think we know what's coming. Chapter 3, quote, Hear this word, O people of Israel, that the Lord has spoken concerning you, concerning the whole family that I brought up from the land of Egypt. You alone have I singled out of the, all the families of the earth. That is why I will call you to account for all your iniquities. Because of all the terrible things that are to come are, are not going to happen by coincidence. They happen because they are a natural outcome of what preceded it. Quote, a lion has roared. Who can but fear? My Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophecy? When the 1% are thoroughly corrupt and society is rotting from the inside out, what do you expect will happen? Quote, I will wreck the winter palace together with the summer palace. The ivory palaces shall be demolished and the great houses shall be destroyed. And on that wrathful note, here endeth the lesson. We love threes. In stories and jokes, three rules. Sometimes called trebling. Often you'll have a part of the story that's told three times with some variations. Usually the first two iterations are there to build tension and the third releases it, often with a twist. Two brothers fail, the third one succeeds. A protagonist is given three tests, and he gets the prize after the third. Rumpelstiltskin spins three times and gives the miller's daughter three guesses. Ebenezer Scrooge is tormented by three ghosts. Goldilocks breaks and enters into the home of three bears. Genies offer three wishes. Tevye is vexed by his three willful daughters. The rabbi is always accompanied by a priest and a minister. In Britain, an Englishman, an Irishman, and a Scotsman seem to spend an awful lot of time together, and... 
there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Slogans also come in threes. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Ein Volk, ein Reich, ein Führer. Liberté, égalité, fraternité. Faster, higher, stronger. Ready, steady, go! Friends, Romans, countrymen, lights, camera, action, tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Veni, vidi, vici. Martin Luther King spoke of insult, injustice, and exploitation as foils to justice, goodwill, and brotherhood. Churchill talked of blood, sweat, and tears. We'll return to Churchill momentarily. Star Trek also loves its threes. Chris Pierce of the website Robots Pajamas captured this phenomenon succinctly in his comic strip Star Trek Problems. And yes, I'm going to describe what happens in a comic strip, so it's going to be bad radio for like 20 seconds. Deal. If you want to read this, the original, I'll put a link to it up at thenextju.com. So Jordy LaForge is talking to Riker, and Riker says, Jordy, if your new tachyon accelerator passes tomorrow's test, you'll be up there with Tesla, Hawkins, and Cochrane. Jordy comes back with, well, I'm excited to hear your trombone tonight. You're up there with the jazz greats like Coltrane, Davis, and Fapperly Nine. Riker replies, you have a, such a way with words, Jordy, like Shakespeare, Hemingway, and, uh, blah goo Jordy offers. Yep. <laughs> thank you, thank you, you're just, you're too kind. All of this is best captured in a Latin phrase, omne trium perfectum. Everything that comes in threes is perfect, including strikes, which became the centerpiece for Abner Doubleday when he supposedly invented baseball in Elihu Finney's cow pasture in Cooperstown, New York in 1839. And I say supposedly because even Doubleday's own papers and letters didn't mention his inventing the game, nor did his New York Times obituary the day after he died. Doubleday was a cadet at West Point in the year of the alleged invention, and his family had moved away from Cooperstown the year before. My dreams were shattered years ago. How many years ago? How old are you? But sometimes there are four. Remember when I mentioned Churchill's blood, sweat, and tears? Well, originally it had a fourth. In his first speech as Prime Minister to the House of Commons on May 13, 1940, he said, I would say to the House, as I said to those who have joined the government, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. I mean, what's wrong with four? Well, in many Asian cultures, four equals death. In standard Chinese, the words for four and death are written differently but are pronounced similarly. In China, four is treated much in the same way that Westerners treat the number 13. Buildings, for example, don't have a fourth floor and apartments are misnumbered accordingly. But I don't think Amos was all that concerned about international box office when he let loose with this trope. In any rhetorical context, you can pretty much do what you want. If you want the audience to chant yes in response to your call, you can phrase your call one way, but you can just as well get them to chant no. If you like contrasting pairs, work it. If you like threes, and a lot of folks like threes, then go crazy. But Amos likes fours. He one-ups the trium perfectum. With each repetition, he lulls us into a moment of complacency, affording all the bad guys their requisite three sins against the Jews. 
for three transgressions of Damascus or Gaza or whatever, there's that trium perfectum. And well, let's be honest, the neighboring peoples are pretty awful. But then he comes in with the haymaker for four. I will not revoke it. I will not tolerate it. Four is one too many. You can be like a proper British anti-Semite. You can hate on the Jews as much as appropriate, but... You done messed up, A.A. Ron! But then he does another thing that knocks listeners right onto their asses. He takes the crowd to a place they didn't expect, to the kingdom of Judah, and levels the same attack on them. Say what? Yep, they're just as bad in their abuse of power and corruption. And maybe the audience is still with Amos at this point, chanting along, you know, for three transgressions of blah, 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 for four, I will not revoke it. But wait, there's more. He then holds up a mirror to the audience, the Jews of the North. Oh, damn. And what's to say now? That somehow what God's been planning for Damascus, Gaza, the Edomites, the Ammonites, the Moabites doesn't apply to you because your behavior is so much better than theirs? But here's the good news. In a way, God has tremendous patience. Because the first time, well, you know, mistakes happen. The second time, you know, it's clearly a problem. But the third time... You done messed up, A.A. Ron! But even then, even then, as Amos reminds us, Time after time, you get a fourth strike. Yes, a fourth strike. It sounds weird to say. Just like saying the red, old, little hen. As if it runs afoul of some universal grammatical rule. But it doesn't violate God's rule, according to Amos. It's still correct. And in this case, it's still very generous. So take advantage of it, people. Size up the pitch and swing away. You get one more chance. Travis Ishikawa hits one. If you like what you heard today, spread the word about TanakhCast. Send a friend an email to say, Hey, would it kill you to check out TanakhCast? Or even better, write a brief review at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Smart Radio, or SoundCloud. It's a small thing, really, but it will help other people who might be interested in some Bible learning find this podcast. Or if you want to help in a bigger way, support us at Patreon. Just search for TanakhCast and pledge your shekels either on a one-time or monthly basis and receive special blessings from the Most High. I thank you in advance for that and encourage you to join us again in two weeks for episode 138 when we continue in the book of Amos with chapters 4 through 7.